you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Here we are, now on the other side of Lent. And if you were following a Lenten discipline in which you gave up something for the season, coffee perhaps, or dessert, you are probably in a particularly festive mood tonight. I happen to know of one person here who gave up beer for Lent. And with the arrival of the warmer weather, I suspect he is in an all-but-jubilant space this evening. Interesting, though, to note that the Gospel reading for tonight is marked by words like perplexed, terrified, amazed, and even an idle tale. In my sermon on Good Friday, I cited Robert Capon's observation that on its own and in that moment, the death of Jesus was an unreadable act written in black ink on black paper. What could it possibly mean other than the end of a dream for the disciples and the end of a problem for those who had opposed Jesus, the Sanhedrin, many of the Pharisees, the Romans? And then even here, in this story, as the New Testament scholar Holly Heron comments, within the unfolding story world of the Gospel of Luke, the empty tomb is as of yet, an unrecognized sign. She then notes that what the women would have been expecting of a tomb was a place to remember, that the Greek word for tomb literally means a sign of remembrance. You went to a tomb to remember, to tell stories about the person, and to mourn. To find a tomb empty, open, well, there was just no framework whatsoever. And so the women were perplexed, confused, puzzled. Suddenly, two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified, bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Two men in dazzling clothes, says Luke. Whereas in Matthew, it's an angel. In John, two angels. And in Mark, a young man clothed in white. Details shifted a bit as the story got passed through the oral tradition for several decades before it was written down. That shouldn't trouble us, not at all. What is so clearly in view in all four gospel accounts is that the news of the resurrection is given to the women by a heaven-sent messenger, angelos, or angel in Greek. And wouldn't that send them trembling in fear? When what they'd expected was to visit the tomb, the sign of remembrance, to remember and to honor their beloved teacher with those spices that they carried with them to lay by his body Why do you look for the living among the dead? The two messengers say to them, The living, the living. 
Well, you can only imagine what a crick that would have put in their necks to hear Jesus referred to as now living. He's not here. He has risen. Remember. Ah, so this tomb is a place for remembering after all. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. They remembered words that at the time that Jesus spoke them must have made very little, if any, sense at all. The teacher must be speaking metaphorically or in a sort of parable. That's what they probably would have imagined because what else could it be? If he's Messiah and he's leading us to Jerusalem, this talk of death has to be just symbolic, doesn't it? I mean, aside from the Sadducees, the party known as the Sadducees, the Jews of Jesus' day believed in resurrection. They believed in the general resurrection, which was to happen at the end of all of time and history, when the dead would be raised and God's people brought into the new heaven and new earth, long envisioned by the prophets. It was actually there in tonight's reading from the prophet Isaiah, in which the prophets sung out as to about how God is about to create new heavens and a new earth. And then he describes a world free of hunger, of disease, of heartache, of competition, and it culminates with the words, they shall not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, says the Lord, God's fully realized, peaceable kingdom. That was the dream of resurrection, but it was a future dream when God would act when history had come to its completion. Not one person in the here and now of history defeating death and being raised, being resurrected, they had no paradigm for that. And so with their heads spinning and their hearts pounding, they run to tell the disciples this thing they've just experienced, this news they've just been given. But these words seemed to the disciples an idle tale, Luke writes, and they did not believe them. An idle tale because it really didn't make any sense to those disciples, not at all. There was no framework for it. But an idle tale, too, because it was brought to them by Mary Magdalene and the other women. And in that world, women were not considered particularly credible or reliable, particularly not when it came to matters of emotion. This is madness. You're dreaming, Mary. The master is dead. Ah, but Peter, bless his heart, Peter couldn't resist the possibility that there might be something to what the women said. So he ran to see if there might, might just be something to their words. Peter, who through the Gospels has had this tendency to leap before he looks, but at zero hour had denied even knowing Jesus, had turned his back 
on his great teacher and best friend. He ran with at least a thread of hope in his heart that maybe the story hadn't ended. Stooping and looking in, Peter saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home amazed at what had happened. And there tonight's Easter gospel ends with a look of amazement on Peter's face, the other disciples still not convinced, and the women wondering how it all happened. There will be other stories to tell over the 50 days of Eastertide. We'll watch as the perplexity and puzzlement and amazement begins to give way to clarity to understanding, and ultimately to a bold and joyous new community, all in good time. For this night, some rather elegant words from N.T. Wright. An empty tomb, a rumor of angels, disbelief and puzzlement, no heroics, no great faith, no instant sense of everything clicking into place. Rather, a new tune starting so quietly that by the time you hear it, it's already well underway, growing and swelling into music so rich, so powerful as to make you want to dance and cry at the same time. The resurrection had already happened had come forward to meet them, God's future rushing like an express train into the present, into the middle of history, the middle of the world's pain, of Israel's broken kingdom dreams. God with us, in the present, in the middle of history, in the middle of the world's pain, and of all of the losses and sorrows and struggles and wounds each of us might be bearing. Not abandoned, not forsaken, not forgotten, but rather forever safe in Christ's dying and rising. That's what Easter proclaims. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.